Jack Oatway. And I'm Jay Oatway. This is Like Dragon, Like Sun. You're listening to the Father and Son podcast of all things Dungeons and Dragons. For new players or experienced players alike, we hope to bring something new to your table, something cool to your table. Uh, and it's exciting because Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is coming out as soon within days as of recording this. That's right. We have two generations of brains looking at the same material mm. and equally getting excited. Tasha's Culture of Everything, if you don't know, is a new source book for D&D coming out. And us old um, people who, you know, may be stuck in our ways might have some problems with this book. <laughs> I'll tell I'm you, very excited. I'll tell you right now, there are some of the DMs I play with are not happy about the idea that maybe just maybe you could change subclasses. Well, it still talks about, you know, making a smooth transition and making way and we'll have to see how well they implement it until the book comes out, you know. And, but and some I'm of us, excited. Some of us aren't crazy about races no longer being races. <laughs> if you don't know anything about what we're talking about, we are talking about interesting game rule changes that Tasha's Cauldron and Everything is offering. And uh, I'm just suggesting that you Zoomer kids are just way too excited about breaking down all the rules, all the stereotypes, all the walls, all of the the systems that have been in place and just making it like a level playing field of love and happiness. And I'm here to tell you that that's not what D&D is about. D&D is about rigid thinking and it's about being mean to people. I had a thought recently. And this may be a little bit off topic, but do you think like like a couple like decades from now when people think of like the word Zoomers, they'll think it'll be like from the fact that we use Zoom on meeting calls and not just because that was a name beforehand? Holy cow. I didn't even thought about that. I, but yeah, but if you're- People are going to mistake that. If you're a kid today who has like spent the last year locked in their bedroom having to do like schoolwork and everything, like hanging with friends, pretty much everything by Zoom, then yeah- that's another reason you're a Zoomer. Isn't that crazy? That that like name was oh, like wow. reflected. That's just like age. That's just meant to be. That's crazy. Anyways, back to D and D talk. We think in celebration of such a momentous occasion in the D and D community, with a new super exciting, um, game changing book coming out, that we look at some of these subclasses already in existence and that are coming into existence this uh, Sunday, Saturday, November fourteenth coming soon and so i thought i would touch on some of the what i felt were the most powerful subclasses in the game so as yeah of so these these are um these are ranked by jack mm -hmm. uh using a totally scientific method of, method what, of going <laughs> what what makes it what makes him feel good yeah so what I like. mileage may vary on some of these but you i may disagree I will tell you right now, and I, and it's because I'm prejudiced. I think you've got the best opinion on well, these things. Well, you haven't really looked in depth. You may disagree with some things that I've said, but no, I, I trust you implicitly. <laughs> so, but before you give us your top five, okay, um, give us your like worst three. Which are three subclasses you think people should? If a player came to you and says, "I want to play this," you'd be no, just no. Um, there are four oh, okay. that I've put in the F tier of this tier list that I have here, and F is fail it's like the lowest tier besides below I like completely Z, broken I and Zed, i don't know what the subclass is zed or a z class would be the worst like there was z, a z but i thought z there was for too many. You, just gotta, you just gotta <laughs> you just gotta simplify things you know like i have s a b c d f we even skipped e yes you know, and, I like that's too and again for you older people who are listening to this did you notice that he listed the letter s above the letter a Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that, apparently, in modern video game parlance. And some Gen Xers like me, we play games. We play video games. We've seen this. We may not understand this. But S-class things are better than A-class things. And that's because Japan. That's right. That's all you need to know. 
Yeah. One word. Japan. Yep. Yeah. The, the limit break capital of the world. That's right. But as we move into the F tier, lowest level, like right. if someone told me that they were going to play this, I'd be like, um, do you? So the, those of you in Radio Land right now, if you're thinking of making one of these characters, don't. Just well, don't. reconsider, talk with your DM, try and make it work. I'd suggest nope. picking Tear something a little up. more fun. And the reason these are F tier is because the backyard, there are so many other better hole, options. Bury it put a big rock on top of it and then put some sort of like rune of a glyph of warding so if anybody touches it they die that's right exploding rune if for anybody who tries to touch a character made of okay give us don't start with the very worst start with the the fourth worst all right this the fourth worst kind of breaks my heart a little bit because i've tried so hard to love this subclass and i love its concept but it just is really bad you know, and it's, and many, many people are like, what are you talking about? Which one is it? Just get to it. It's the Way of the Four Elements Monk. Um, if you're unfamiliar, it is a Avatar, the Last Air Bunder, sort of inspired four elements, air, water, earth, fire type, you know, um, quadratic, you know, dichotomy, but quadraconomy. Yep. You know, yeah. four you have different me. aspects, but it sort of like combines elemental sort of primal magic with the 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 key system for the monks and it sort of really falls flat you gain no other abilities besides these elemental disciplines which are just a very short list of invocation like things that you can pick up that require your key points to activate and sometimes they're cool effects like i love fangs of the fire snake uh fist of unbroken wind and water whip which are all unique attack options that you can do, which sort of last for a little bit of time and give you unique flavors a monk. And I think that if they leaned in that direction further and added some other cool abilities, this could easily be a B tier subclass. But the reason it's F is because their key point casting system is worse than other subclasses of the, you know the same level. They get no other abilities besides these elemental disciplines. Have like two options and one that they're forced to pick. So. Just ultimately, the subclass gets pretty much nothing. Like, you'd be better picking up a magic initiate than I think taking this subclass. Just the only reason I would take this is if I wanted to, inv like, get a cool, like, fist of unbroken wind and, you know, water whip to try and, like, get some cool new attack options. But then just go Kensei and get a real whip. Or, you know, or just invest in, like, a, a real spellcaster, like a druid or even a ranger, I'd say, is better than this the subclass in many How cases. How dare you? Yeah, uh, honestly, this is a terrible subclass. And as much as I want to love it, I love its thematic stuff. It just doesn't have anything to offer. All right, well, we're taking the <clears throat> four elements uh, out back and shooting them. Next, what's up? <laughs> uh, next, honestly, I, I'd put, this in one I, I'm kind of debating. I think it is still F tier. I'd call it the Arcane Archer uh, as what? the next one. Well, um, Arcane Archer is that bad. Yeah, it's really. Bad. Yeah, I always kind of fancy that one. I like it because there's magic shot and curving shot, and there's some interesting stuff. And I may move it up to D if I'm feeling a little bit, you know, nicer at some point down the road. But you don't like that one at all. I I think that it's pretty bad. Yeah, it doesn't really give you good options for. I I I, I was I really thought of it as like. I want to build like a, a unique crossbow thing or a sling thing or ranged option, you know, or throwing axes. Okay, well, let's say like let's that. say your DM yeah. lets you not just use bow and arrows, but any. But then I imagine like because it, it essentially dabbles where you have arrows infused with each school of magic, and I thought, oh, it's just sort of like a wizardy like take on that's not the Eldritch Knight, but just still sort of like a cool ranged magic. Yeah, you get like exploding it's, arrows it's, it's, it's and tracking arrows, and... like a blade singer. Like it's I don't know why they didn't make it elf restricted only because it's pretty much just like elf stuff elf magic right all the conjuration is like summoning b poisonous brambles and they're all like super fey elf inspired abilities you say elf magic like it's a bad thing i don't know i, I, I what's got you, you so down on the elves you have you have less usability than the battle master in terms of like you you have less time you can use it you can't use it with all sorts of different weapon attacks or when other things there's less variability sort of that sort of stuff and the nice part, I, I'd say, if anything, that could save it from a D is that you do, or like from an F, is that you do get magic shot, curving shot, 
um, and different options, but just the fact that it's super hard to replace them. I actually made a revised version that would take it up maybe to a C or B for me. Um, but it's just, it's you see, really fails. I think the problem is I've that never you didn't grow up in the 80s. A cool arcade archer. It's because you, didn't, you didn't grow up in the good. 80s with the, the 80s D&D cartoon where the ranger, uh, is it Hank? Is that his name? Um, he had like this bow, but didn't even have a string in it until he like, he brought his hand up to it and pulled back and like a magic string with a magic like arrow of like energy with sort of form in it. And he could do different things with that arrow. I want to build that guy. But you can only do that twice. And then you have to use regular arrows again. <sighs> my dreams of my 1980s like hero is yeah. fading away. I, I wish they made it a little bit more like the Battlemaster. If they did, I think this is going to be an, an interesting, more viable subclass. If they made the options a little less restrictive and, and sort of super roleplay focused and like not letting you branch out, um, then I think this would deserve maybe a higher tier. All right. um, but <clears> we're taking we're taking my childhood out, killing it and putting it in the same shallow grave as the four elements. What else we got to, the, to bury I'd say it back? It, for a fighter class, it's pretty bad, but it's by no means the worst fighter class out there. Is there a worse one? Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of the Purple Dragon Knight? Yeah, I I I do. I know what that is. Yeah. It has a restriction. Its ability, its core class feature it at a lower level, didn't it come about worse though? Than a single option for the battle map. But isn't it isn't it like part of the Ravnica series or something? Like isn't it? No, it's for the Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms, really? Yeah. I always sort of felt like it was like. And there's a restriction to it. Something about there's it. a knighthood restriction to it. And like super role play focused. Like I can't build. I'm not what quite I sure where. Here. There's where no it, purpose you should ever play this. Well, I usually skip over it because it seems very, seems very like campaign specific to something that to I don't understand. I think is Corvair it? or something like that. But there's specific a specific knight order called the Purple Dragon. Corvair's Ebron uh, is. Oh no, not Corvair. What am I talking about? Um, but it is a terrible subclass. Its feature at a lower level is mediocre on par, if not worse, than one of the battle matches. But surely options. you're playing it because of. I mean, I, I thought the Purple Knight existed in a very particular way to fill a very particular quest of some sort. Like here, here's the. Um, the history or the, the lore of the Purple Dragon Knight. They are warriors who hail from the kingdom of Cormir. Pledged to protect the crown, they take the fight against evil beyond their kingdom's borders. They are tasked with wandering the land as knights errant, relying on their judgment, bravery, and fidelity to the code of chivalry to guide them in defeating evildoers. A Purple Dragon Knight inspires greatness in others by committing brave deeds in battle. The mere presence of a knight in a hamlet is enough to cause some orcs and bandits to seek easier prey. A lone knight is a skilled warrior, but a knight leading a band of allies can transform even the most poorly equipped militia into a ferocious war band. A knight prefers to lead through deeds, not words. As a knight spearheads an attack, uh, the knight's actions can awaken reserves of chaos, uh, or sorry, courage and conviction in allies that they never suspected they had. Cool description, like a leader rallying your, your troops to, to make the, like, you know... Um, turn like even you know poorly equipped militias into a ferocious warband but i just don't think that's true at third level i'm pretty sure this is all you get um like this is the only thing besides a restriction um and yeah it has to be a specific campaign setting um that like they're they're tied to the specific order of the Cormi uh knighthood uh, banneret serves as the generic name for this archetype if you use it in another campaign. So this might just be called a banneret. Um, I think that'd be a better name for it than Purple Dragon Knight, uh, just calling it a banneret. Uh, but essentially third level ability, besides the restriction. And when you choose this archetype at third level, you learn how to inspire your allies to fight on pa uh, past their injuries. Right, that's kind of, I'm, <clears throat> I'm just quickly scrolling through the Forgotten Realms wiki, and um, that seems to be their history. Like, they were all about... I just described <clears throat> it, yeah. pushing on, like doing doing great acts of of heroism, rallying cries, and you know that sort of thing. Yeah, just play a paladin. Your lay on hands is better than this. Uh, when you use your second one feature, you can choose up to three creatures within sixty feet of you that are allied with you. Each one regains hit points equal to your fighter level, provided that creature can hear, see, or hear you. So at third level, you can choose three creatures within sixty feet of you once per short or long rest. And give them three hit points. But if they can't see or hear you, then they get nothing. And that's all you get. 
<clears throat> of the famous purple, notable purple dragon knights, Sir Istival, former knight who spent his retirement in the town of Daggerford, which just happens to be where the players in my Curse of Strahd campaign started their whole thing. Um, but this, the, the only uh, ability is giving three you know, creatures hit points equal to your fighter level, which at this point is a, three. It's such a small world. Now, Battlemaster, at the, the same, same level, gets proficiency with a type of t- like artisan's tools. Interesting, like two maneuvers, four maneuvers of their choice, which give be three other things, and rally. On your turn, you can use a bonus action to expend one superiority die to bolster the resolve of your companions. When you do so, choose a friendly creature who can see or hear you. It gains temporary hit points equal to superiority, superiority die roll, plus your charisma modifier. So, instead of targeting three and giving them a number equal to your level, you target one as a bonus action, which you can use this multiple times rather than just once for short or long rest. And you give them, um, I believe at this point it's 1d8 plus your charisma modifier, which say for a fighter is low, right. plus one. But surely surely the purple dragonite has been added to this because of some sort of setting or material or something that people want to play. It was in Sword Coast Adventures. Game. Right. So I think they want to play into a story. Then why don't they just play the Battlemaster? Why not play a Cavalier? I don't know. And flavor them as a Cormian and, warrior. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, there's no point. Like, its ability is worse than an option granted by the Battlemaster. Fair enough. All right. We're killing the purple dragon knight and burying him back. I think people can agree that it is one of the worst. I don't think people go for it a lot anyways. I think people skip it because it already feels too specifically flavored. Exactly. Uh, it's not like... it's it's You really have to go looking to find it almost, I think. And finally... I think maybe the depths of the depths of some of one of the worst subclasses in the game. Maybe not as bad as Purple Dragon Knight, but a really, really bad subclass. And this is both like the last negative part before we go to a positive. Yay, look how cool these subclasses are. And all of our subclasses, I'd say, sure, let's try it. But if someone says they're playing a Beastmaster, I'm telling them no. Please pick something else. Pick what, a Drake Warden. What, what about what about with like the errata and things fixed on the look? This the is just. In terms of current rules as written, okay, what we have on D and D Beyond for the Beastmaster, it is terrible. What it if we so, what if we ported so some of worse the than new... the Pack to the Chain Warlock? Worse than Find Familiar from a a, a wizard. What's wrong with the Pack to the Chain Warlock? No, there, there's nothing wrong. It is infinitely better than the Beastmaster. Is my point? Yeah, like it is so bad. Like you, like until this errata, you couldn't even revive your dead friend. Matthew Mercer had to create a special amulet or trinket for Trinket to banff back into when he died. Yep. Rules is written, Trinket would have died and never come back unless I know, they but spent it's, 350 And that was very, like, I was a very dritz sort of, uh, sort of thing, you know, where he has his panther banff into his amulet sort of thing, or a little statue or whatever it is. That, yeah. Anyways, yeah, look, there's plenty of, there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of ways to fix that problem. You're right, they're not written rules is written but yeah if you're gonna play a beastmaster if you really want to play a beastmaster you really need to have a talk with the dm about how to fix it and if you've got a great dm they will have ideas yeah there are better ways to do this but it is a bad subclass yeah i say read up on it there are uh, so many better options yeah the ranger stuff isn't it's great to great. start with it's typically but the errata is cool i like the way that they turn it with the errata i'd say that would bump it up to an easy B or C, I'd have to play, like, look at it a little bit more. But as it goes, those are the four worst subclasses in the game. Hmm. But that's where our negativity ends. Yeah. I want to I wanna be excited. All right. It's well, that, that wasn't so much negativity as that was, like, it's okay, those are, that are warning, warning exactly. shots across the bow. Luckily, none of them are the new Tasha ones. So you don't have to kill these ones to bury in the backyard. I, I ju- jest. However, if you are playing these or want to be playing these, it is worth to consider having a bit of a talk about how to make uh, how to make sure that your character is as fun to play as everybody else's. Uh, you know, there is. I, I've sat at tables very recently where there's been players who've been kind of disappointed by their their characters, and and I'm always a little bit sad to sort of see that happen. Um, and I'm it's it's a tough one because the DM has let players change their characters, but it does, I mean, it, they did have to wait till we reached a certain point in the campaign where, um, you know, it was, it was a good opportunity to do so. Um, but yeah, I'm a little sad that those 
some of those um, characters that I've gotten to know uh, over the last year or so of playing with them um, are gone. Yeah. Sad in some aspects, but exciting for new adventures to come, hopefully. I guess. You know, grateful that we had those journeys. Yeah. Um, and I think, do you want to touch on some of the D, C, B, No, like, like, like there is so many subclasses. What we will do, though, and you can look for the link to this in the description below, um, we'll pop this uh, chart that Jack has made, which is a fantastic ranking of all of the classes. And it's beautifully laid out in color-coded by class. Someone and, else made it. I just, um, I didn't make it, but. You you use the, I, I use their tool, I to rank the, the tool to rank the right, but the, the, the tool has made it very pretty. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, you can find that on our website if you click in the little link below. It'll be in a blog post, uh, and you can see the whole thing where all the other ones rank. But it will take us six hours uh, to get okay. through all of that. So I will jump to the S tier. So if you're the still with us, folks, this is it. If you have if you have one chance to play a high level campaign, to play a you want to just annoy your dm by playing a super powerful character or or in fact and feel if like you, you're you and really if you and a bunch of friends table. are all getting together and somebody's saying hey let's start a new campaign you could put and these you felt like you, five together like so five or six, six you got here six, five or six of these together and you would have and not, and you know what just to, to to couch this as well if those of you who have been listening to our podcast for some time now you should know that jack and i are not big min max no, uh, but these do lend themselves to min-maxing in so, some cases. So, if you want to make sure, though, you do have good powers. Mm-hmm. And you and don't then, want to worry too much about trying to optimize things to make And then on the top best. of that, come up with a cool character idea. Yeah. These would be some of the good ones to start by looking at. Yeah. It's, it's Narrowing true. your choices down. Let's, uh, let's list. Do you want to list all five of them or do you want to go all through them? them? All six of them or do you want to go through them one by one? Uh, I think we can I, I, we can touch on each of them if we kind of accept that they're super powerful and then we don't really need to acknowledge why. But I, I do want to give a reasoning okay. why I think they're S2. All right. Number six. Astral Self. Way of the Astral Self Monk. Right. We saw you play this in our 20th level uh, Halloween battle. Yeah. 20th it level really makes this cool. character shine. I think 14th level or 17th level is when this thing really becomes brokenly powerful s tier well many many classes do at that level but let's say you're playing Some like classes. something kind of normalish levels like four to six what, what what's it like in there i think four to six it's interesting because you already get more attacks for less key than a regular monk would i believe i'm not sure if you get the um if you get two attacks from your extra arms but essentially what the astral self is is that you can summon aspects of your astral self, whether it be the visage or the arms or the full body, right, um, as you get to higher levels. But it essentially gives you unique perks um, that you can summon forth with your key. Uh, and eventually, at the super high level, this is the point where it becomes S tier, it overcomes the one biggest weakness of the monk, uh, key points, you know, yeah. limited supply. And it gives you essentially an infinite supply in as battle. As long as you keep taking As long as out. you keep taking lives, yeah. But, you know, debate, could that be the wizard's familiar? You know, that you, all right, there you go. Five more key points. But I think it's a a That's a really mean thing to do to the wizard's familiar. You should ask. That's what they're built for. Get consent. Always get consent. (laughs) The Beastmaster's pet. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Always get consent before you kill one of your party members' familiars or pets. Absolutely. They probably want them dead anyway. They can bring them back. There's a thing about familiars you can bring. Yeah, there's a cost to that. At lower levels, uh, essentially the extra arms can give you 10-foot reach, which is nice. Yeah, that's that's a good Radiant damage. And super good against the 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 undead. This is that you no longer need to focus on anything unless you want good health, of course, constitution, and dexterity to some extent. But essentially you can funnel both your attacks, your key saves, and everything into wisdom because your arms use your wisdom instead of your dexterity. For all your unarmed strikes that you make with them. Which is why I was doing devastating damage. I had frail little flimsy arms, but I had beefy astral arms that and at higher levels I could make six attacks every single turn without spending any key points. Yeah. Yeah. Six attacks every single turn with my action bonus action. I know. I I I, I waited patiently while you rolled. Well, I know I was dice. I was very fast and efficient about it. I yeah, rolled so. all my sixty twenty at once. I was super quick about it. 
I know how not how to make mugs, you know, not go forever by rolling one. Does that hit? Here's damage. Does that hit? Here's damage. You know, like just put it all in one is my tip to you if you're making a million attacks uh, in a single turn. Or even roll the damage and dice the hit as one. As long it, as and if you're, if, you're, if you're rolling real dice as well, color coding the dice exactly. is nice if you have... Is that way you don't cheese it and be like, ooh, this one hits like at the maximum damage. Yeah, you, know? yeah, like, you can, you can so. buy... Buy the, the color-coded dice that for your character that you need, and then you can put them all in one big shaky cup, give them a good rattle around, and dump them out like bingo balls. Yeah, that's high-level play. <laughs> um, but at lower levels, you'll be making three, four attacks every turn uh, without spending key points as long as your astral arms are up, and eventually you'll get uh, increased ability of, like, face stuff with insight and intimidation while your visage is up and speaking really far and again once that's combined with all sorts of knowing all languages and it just really makes you into that ascendant monk that i think a lot of people really want to get into but um are a little bit scared too and i think that the monk sometimes does fall behind in terms of attacking and defense yeah uh, with their limited key supplies but this really turns this them one is, into I, the thing about this one as well that's kind of uh, fun about this monster. is it kind of sort of a like a Doctor Strange esque sort of mm. astral projection. Well, they do get floaty, the stuff, but, um, but yeah, I imagine it is like six arms sort of coming out. Yeah, exactly. But it's got a it's got a sort of mystic of religious vibe to it. Unlike say what the clerics have or paladins have with very more. Although I like, love to try and turn religiously religiously sort of stuff. Um, but in more so than many of the other monks do. Like the you know monks are from, should be from monasteries. There should always be you think there'd be a religious connection to it, but often in D and D that's not. Mm-hmm. that comes up but this one really does have a sort of a, a, a mystical supernatural sort of vibe to it yeah, yeah. it's I kind agree. of fun uh that moves us on to the echo number knight. five number five number five the fighters echo knight and echo while there knight, are which many, is new so a few new really bad fighter subclasses this is an excellent e- one echo knight came out role. this year yeah yeah uh is critical this, role is, uh, uh, uh explorers uh, got to wild mount right. dunamantic fighter right which so pulls is this a, a is this critical role content then it is. Uh, it is critical role content, but it is an official rule book. But still, you need to enable that in D&D Beyond in order to see I it. I do believe so, yeah. I discovered that the other day with my... Some uh, magic items, yeah. ...party, like, where, like, they couldn't see the Dust Crusher, and I was like, I wonder why. It's, like, an critical official item. Content. I was the one who pointed that out. Yeah. Actually. Yes, you did. Thank you so much. I remember, because we uh, dressed it in our... In our Explorer, Ages Explorer's ago. Explorer's Guide to Wildmount video. Yeah. Uh, podcast episode. A while back. And, yeah. it, and it did end up in the Strahd game. Excellent. Well, that's cool. Did you give it to the cleric or? Yeah, they uh, they used the the magical uh, white sun uh, shrine pool in Kretsk, uh, where they met Sergei to transform it from its sword form, which wasn't so great for the cleric, into its big warhammer form, which nice. he enjoys nice. greatly. Yeah, the Echo Knight is a powerful subclass because it turns you into. A little bit more of a versatile fighter around the battlefield it gives you unique opportunities for hitting in certain places. And the the coup de is a coup d'état. Is that like the mwah? coup d'état? Coup d'état is that? No, that's not what I was thinking. That's like the final blow that kills something. Is it? The piece de resistance. Coup like, and like an like a an coup, overthrow or something. A, well, a coup d'état. Yeah. Cru, what's coup d'état? Is that not like a thing on on a dish? Uh, you're thinking. <laughs> What am I thinking about? Yeah, just anyways, it's not what you're talking about. You're talking about the creme the, de la creme, the Easter resistance, like the yes, the best of. Like, you think crudit crudite is 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 vegetables and yeah, basically vegetable sticks. Right. This is the vegetable sticks of fighter subclasses. What? Um, because your manifest echo allows you as a bonus action to create an echo of yourself within 15 feet, um, which lasts until destroyed. Or until you manifest another one, you right? Know, like and no this time is, limit. These are from the Kryn Dynasty, right? Uh, yes. Kryn, but the, again, much like the Purple Dragon Knight, flavor this however you want. If you if that would if that feels cooler. Yeah, to you. I I was thinking about making the flying Gambizi brothers with this. They're not really brothers. They're just like one's an echo of the it, other. It has only one hit point, but you can summon it again as a bonus action. So it's not like it takes your whole turn to summon this thing. Um, it it occupies its space. So you know if things require occupation but you can jump back and forth between that space it's true on your turn you can mentally command it to move around so this is like an invoke duplicity for the cleric except you can do it at will willy-nilly and you can do some extra cool stuff with it 
Um, you can do the following things. As a bonus action, you can swap places with it at the cost of 15 feet of movement, regardless of the distance of the, between you. And so you could throw it, you know, over the pit of lava, through the pit of lava. Well, no, because it would take damage. But you could summon it across the 15-foot-wide river of lava and then swap places with it. Or if in your pickle, bonus action summon... Oh, well, I suppose you bonus action summon it the previous turn, make your final attacks, and then the next turn you... I was thinking about using it to wrestle people. Mm. I don't know if it can... Oh, no, it can attack. Uh, when you take the attack action on your turn, any attack you make with that action can originate from your space or the echo space. You make this choice for each attack. So it gives you a little bit of range for a close-up fighter. So you could do a great sword from 15 feet or away. Or you could do a grapple. Or a grapple, from, or a shove, or a... Yeah. yeah well, that'd be fun. Shove it back towards the other <laughs> yeah, version she, of you. Yeah. Yeah. And if you I was wondering a little bit if you can do multi-attack. Could you split the multi-attacks? Like if I've got two attacks think, on yeah. an action, could one Any attack you make with the action can originate from your So space one can push action. it back to the other and the other can grapple it. Yeah. And then like action surge and then it comes up and you know Yeah, and then you mix that with the the new what's it? Um the UA grappler fighting style and you grapple it and you deal damage and you deal extra damage while things That's what I'm thinking. That's, That's I'm the cool. Flying Gambizi brothers. That. My idea for the Echo Knight would be to make this like wrestling tag team duo and they're not really a duo. It's just one Echo Knight. There's no limit to how many times you can summon it. If it was like yeah. constitution modifier, this would be like, all right, maybe an eight. No, but this is just it. So like crazy. pretty much even in our in role play out of initiative sort of stuff. So much You've cool. always like, got yeah, your, your brother, and you can move it. Yeah. your twin brother walking around with you the whole time. You can swap places with it. Oh, and you can have conversations, pretend to have conversations with it because you can like bamf back and forth. And you can make opportunity occupation. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity attacks. <laughs> Where are your voice <laughs> muscles tonight? <laughs> Where's your attacks. brain? It's been a long day. Uh, you can make opportunity attacks from your Echo Knight space, and so if you have that Sentinel, fifteen foot bugbear, now with the Echo Knight, that your your range you set up to your Echo fifteen feet away, and so it exits your Echo's range and gets opportunity attacks. So we should make like, the Flying Gambizi Brothers bugbears. Hmm. You can just like set up two fifteen the, foot. They are getting more radius, interesting like, all the time. S- like shut anything down if you've seen our cavalier video uh you can really set up a, a terrifying thing um i think at the costume of, of at some of the cool you keep uh, saying a video when are we shooting the video you and your semantics um but it's that's all podcast not, folks if you're looking for all. video you're not gonna find it that's not all folks you know how the purple dragon knight all you got was like once per shorter long rest giving your friends some hit points not only do you get all of that but you also can make an additional melee attack from the Echo's position whenever you take the attack action. The extra attack feature at third level, essentially. Right. So, and that and that extra attack stays. Mm-hmm. So this uh, even oh, well, better. Oh, you can only use it a number of times. You will constitution modifier. But still. Still, it's like. Two or three plus, at that point, Plus maybe. five. Well, at higher levels, you could. <laughs> my, my, want to get out there. my 20th constitution. 20 plus 20 constitution. I, I think it's. Yeah, one once per attack action. Um. But anyway, still fun, yeah, still super interesting. And you can swap other ones out and things like that. I think oh, just such a cool subclass. And at higher levels, you can see through it. So again, the role play goes up another notch where you could send it into a room and start spying around through your echo and then swapping, you know, to see if it's safe and things like oh, or even like an escape, you know, just like just like setting up the watchdog outside, which is your echo. You know, that's like standing guard you know you can like see through it and see if anyone's like coming through or invading and then swap back as soon as you need to get in the fight again you know just such or even again like dropping it running away like you know then spending a turn to second like you know second wind and drink like chug a a healing potion and then you're back into the fight Uh, i think it's just such a cool uh ability uh i don't know it's a fantastic subclass is all i have to say and it just gets even better and better and better and at 18th level the another more celery sticks more vegetable sticks. Legion more, of One. You can more, summon two more echoes. More coup d'etats. More two echoes. That's crazy. If you have a 15-foot reach, you can set up three outposts of 15-foot radius. So now the Flying Gambizi brothers become a triplet act. Yeah. Yeah, fun. The hidden triple twin. Yeah. Just such a, such a great uh, subclass. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend you check it out. Swiftly moving on. Okay, we're at number one now. No, number four. Number um, four. This, I'm sorry, folks. You and Radio Land, you are doing a great job staying with us. Thank you so much. I'll save the number one for last, but I think the next, this is not in a super special order. I think I'd go maybe Scribes next. 
uh, right. from we the actually, Wizard. We did, a, we did a, an episode on this as well. We talked about spell books. Or yeah, at least we I did. I did a, uh, and I did, there's a blog we post. We did a video on this? <laughs> there was a video. No, what? No Where? video. No. Um, but there is a blog post where I talked about all sorts of cool, fun ways you can do non-spell book, spell books. Mm. Um which can be fun. Like, use your imagination. It could be a rosary beads. It could be a deck of cards. It could be Tattoos, a bag allows. full of marbles. It really can be anything. Yeah. Be super creative. Yeah. You can do fun stuff with this. Yeah. But, and this is a fantastic subclass. Because I've always wanted, like, a, a poly magic wizard. You yeah. know, like, there's, like, a magic, yep. like, a wizard who knows all forms of magic. Uh, and this kind of gives that to you in a sort of a unique way. Um, at second level, you get the Awakened Spellbook and Wizardly Quill. We've sort of talked about these abilities, so I'll skim over them. But essentially, usually the school of Aberration, whatever, Conjuration, Divination, Enchantment, if you haven't seen that, we have another also podcast on that. Yep. Wow, we are amazing, aren't we? It's been a big year. Yeah. Um, you, All spells, no matter the type, have halved time and gold. So rather than just one school of magic, it's every single school of magic. Yeah, it's great. You don't need to buy ink anymore. It has its own ink, and you can er erase things as a bonus action with it. Less cool, but still, admittedly, very cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the my favorite, spellbook. my favorite bit though is its ability to change the energy types. Well, that's not the wizard quilt. That's the awakened spellbook. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... And it essentially makes your spell casting focus, which I think a lot of wizards imagine they're reading from their spellbook, but really it's just like you're memorizing. Like, both like, so you've got to close book it's, test. It's, it's for the more rest of a, the day, yeah, it's, you know? it's a recipe book that you have to memorize the recipes in before you go in and, and do your master, like you're like master chef class. And during the day, you're like, you know, even notice on those cooking shows, they never have their recipe books open. Well, they don't need to. They know the recipes, they made them. I guess. <laughs> I'd still like write the like stuff. My memory's not that good. Yeah. But that's their life. They, they love cooking. And it's your wizard. And that's what the wizard does. They're, they love cooking, apparently. They love cooking magic. Cooking stuff up, um, you know. But came you across replace damage type came across a little. Spell you know, we're talking about this funny so thing, and actually, you no. Know, pick up magic missile, and every spell becomes force damage. So you good. know, we're talking about high level druids the other day, and how they can cast spells in beast form, mm-hmm. and it does raise a curious question about like spells that have a verb. Well, the somatic's not so much. Well, you can well, still sort of. Like, it's still funny things dance. that don't have like thumbs if that's like an issue um or if you've only got tentacles suddenly how are you doing that but the somatic one or the verbal one as well like if you're say you're an octopus you think they, they make that noise I, like that octopus noise I don't think they even make it i don't think they've got vocal cords i don't think they talk like that well you can ignore that the whole point is that you can ignore them. i think they signal like with like you color still, changes in their body but maybe maybe that fur beast of fur of a beast is on your body now maybe anyways back to back anyway, to this wizard we'll get to um, in a second, but. but what i like about the idea of you being able to change the energy type is a spell called absorb elements um absorb energy sorry absorb, absorb energy. elements you're right i got that right the first time but which essentially is absorbing energy so something blasts you with a fireball you suck in that in and then with this spellcaster you can turn that energy around and spit it back out as force damage if you want, or acid, or cold, or whatever you want. Thunder, yeah. big, you know, loud noise, whatever. It's all, it's all good. Whatever it's you true. want. Chromatic orb is a huge. Just you, you learn that spell, and you have five free damage types for all of your spells whenever you want. Now, people who've always wanted to make cold casters. Just pick yeah, up yeah. chromatic orb or any cold spell, and now your fireball uh, is school, cold. School ball. scribes, and you can do cold energy on every yeah. single spell. Or radiant, if you know. I don't know if there's a good radiant one, but force for sure, necrotic, whatever. You know, there's just so many good options, um, just for you to twist your magic in unique ways and make a super cool element or a chroma caster, as I like to call it. Yeah. Um, but not only that. When you cast a wizard spell as a ritual, you can use the spell's normal casting time rather than adding 10 minutes in still casting as a ritual. So comprehend languages, takes an action, no spell slot still. Pretty awesome, right? Uh, Rory's telepathic bond, one action, no... And what happens if you you multi-class as a sorcerer? What do you mean? Well, because you couldn't you do um, quickened casting and like... So as a bonus action, do a ritual spell? Yeah. Why? Why, though? Because. Just because? Just because. Why? 
There are so not you many can, ritual spells so that you, you can, need to do as a bonus. So action. you can action dash and then still cast a spell. Uh, still bonus action cast that cantrip. Bonus action ritual cast. Yeah. Drop the silence as a bonus action with no spell slot. Once you use this benefit, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest, but still, cool feature. Um, also, if you pair this up with a, a cleric multi-class, this could be deadly, you know, in terms of thinking about some of the spells they get. That's true. The spells and they get. So cool. Augury and, is an action. And you and I have yet to do an Ceremony episode. Ceremony is an action. You and I did an episode on this, but the uh, the very overlooked multi-classing of clerics and wizards. Mm, yeah. A lot of people don't think spellcaster with spellcaster, um, but you put those two together and it is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, it, frighteningly so. Yeah, you get one of the strongest spell lists in the entire game. Combining you the get all the spells. Well, you miss a few, but you get pretty much you maybe like 80% would you, of all which, spells. Which would you miss? Pass Without Trace? <laughs> Hunter's, Hunter's Mark? Mark? Yeah. That is a good spell, though. Come on. If there's anything cool about I, Rangers, it's Hunter's Mark. But then, of course, there's the UA tracker feat, which gives it to you anyways. Yeah. And tracking. And all, all I got to do is burn an ASI. Very human. <laughs> I've got it at level one. Yeah. But that is the school of... I always mix up college and school sometimes. It's schools, this one. School of... Not, not even school of scribes. It's a kindergarten. Also, Wizards go to kindergartens. Nah. Bards go to college. Bah. Bah. Bards party at college. See, yeah, uh, college is all about the parties. That's why the bards are there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of bards... Oh, is we have, do we have one on the list? We have one on the list. Wow, that's very nice And this may nice be segue. number two, if not number one, but we're on the track of bards, so I might as well mention it now. The College of Eloquence from Mythic Odysseys to Theros is... You think Coupe de Grasse? Coupe de... Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Is that yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the... There you go. Not vegetable sticks. Not... not yeah. Um, the Coupe de Grasse. And this is certainly another Coupe... De, Coupe de Grasse. Neil de Grasse Tyson. Neil de Grasse Tyson. Yeah. Um, is the College of Eloquence. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got plans to make... Again, it, I really th I've thought about this character a lot. If if somebody comes along and says, "Hey Jay, do you want to play in my Wild Mount campaign?" I have this bard in mind. I'm I have got the preacher bard who invokes the name of any deity. He because the nice thing about Wild Mount and the nice thing about being a crit critter, I'm a crit roll fan, is that there's a very there's a very clear subset of religions that are allowed in the Dwendalian Empire, and even outside that empire, there is still fairly tight bounds on what people worship, and uh, and to come up with a essentially a con artist preacher who moves from one religious group to another and becomes like takes over the the leadership of them uh, is in my mind a fascinating character. Yeah, besides being fascinating and so easy to role play with and run with, this is. Hands down, one of the most powerful subclasses in, in the game. And if you're trying to make the ultimate face for the party yeah. at a super low level, this is the option. Many people think reliable talent, even at 11th level, is too powerful. As a College of Eloquence, at every single ability check with Persuasion and Deception, you make from 3rd level up, no like limited use, every single time you treat a roll of 9 or lower as a 10. You have expertise as well at this point as a bard, I believe. Yep, you pump that into your deception and your... Which means, say, you're, you've got a fairly good at low level, say, even a plus three, right? Before you even get the ASI and take it to a plus four, right? This is essentially guarantees that you will have an 18 on every persuasion and deception check. Yeah. You make at third level. When you take the ASA, ASI, that could become, you know, proficiency bonus plus two... Your other, you know, plus four doubled is plus 10. So the minimum roll you're getting on any persuasion or deception becomes a 20. A 20 at third level. And that's not all. That is not all, my friends. You also get your bardic inspiration, which is still cool, where you use your bardic inspiration to subtract, have it subtracted from the next saving throw it makes, which is very similar to my curse idea. But, you know, in the other way around, it's a saving throw instead of ability check or attack roll. But I think it's such a cool way to twist the Bardic Inspiration uh, into something a little bit more menacing, uh, but very, very powerful at even a low level. You know, and the thing that 
uh, bards suffer with in their subclasses is that they get very few abilities. But at sixth level, you also pick up two new abilities, which is super nice. So in six levels, you have four abilities from your subclass, which is a very uh, unique thing for the bard. Um, I'm feeling and, and look, you get half proficiency in everything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, they really are the jack of all trades. They really are the character that, um, if nobody else in the party can take a shot at it, the, the bard, bards can try the bard, the it. bard's got a, a a good chance. Yeah. Um, or gives a good shot to another, like makes a, another player even better. Yeah, with Here's the bard, that bardic inspiration. That bardic inspiration. Exactly. Um, the thing nice about the College of Eloquence, unfailing inspiration, when. Um, the role fails when they use the bardic inspiration. They still get to keep it, yeah, until it succeeds, which is or until, of course, the the time. But I like the it, idea but... instead of having a bard with an instrument that the bards, like my having my character, uh, his his uh, performance is mm. sermons, the, his his ability to hymn sort of singing. rally people. Yeah, maybe they do a little hymn singing. Sure, that could happen. Um, but it's definitely got a kind of like preacher, like yeah, it's yeah. got a, it's got a, it's you know, like quote, a saving, quoting like, yeah, scripture. Exactly. I imagine um, even like a saving throw against like but, being like charmed. But he can, like, but he doesn't, but, but, yeah, but you he know, doesn't that, really like, believe it because like he will shift yeah. from like one religious type to another because D and D is really interesting with its religions, right? Like mm. everybody's kind of like, hey, um, this is my god. What's your god? Everybody's kind of kind of cool with like every each other's gods, which is unlike how things here are in real life where typically people really don't like each other's gods. Um, but yeah, so he, he knows like no matter which religion he slips into how to, you know, get people whipped up, uh, with the, the lingo of that religion. Mm. Not only this at sixth level, which would be enough for most subclasses, but you also get universal speech. Yeah. Fun times. You can choose, uh, up to let's say your charisma modifier is five. What, at this what level point. did your your super monk get that at? Uh, they get it at tenth, eleventh level. And what, but that's and, forever. And what's and this guy picking up? Uh, this is at sixth level, but it's yeah. only once per uh, long rest or until you expend a spell slot to use it again. Yeah, once per long rest is probably enough to get you, you through. You can't understand them though. You still need to like take comprehend languages. All oh, right, like that. So, but you they can just understand you. you. Can, but but then that's still great though. You walk into a, a space full of goblins. And you and, start speaking and you about just, their and goblin you just, gods. Yeah, and you yeah. just start quoting scripture, and uh, and they all like sort of start like you know praying, yeah, or singing a hymn of some sort. I don't know, goblin hymns is that a thing? Mm. We don't even need to get into the fourteenth level ability, but no, no, the it, low level alone is insane. I I buy you on the fact that this is a good one. I'm interested in this one a lot. Yeah. Moving on, uh, number one. No, wait, no, we got number two. Uh, number okay. one is we really number. Have we done f all those? Yeah, we've done four, there's two, and then one. So, so recapping so far, we've had... The Astral Self Astral monk. Self, the Purple Knight, no, Echo Knight. <laughs> uh, the Scribe's Wizard, and Scribe's the Eloquence Bard. Eloquence Bards. All right, that's four. Uh, number two. Uh, the Hexblade. I might put this oh, below the Eloquence. Oh, God, no. We this have a is whole, a powerful character. Like one of the first episodes we did was Stop Building Hexblades. It is. You got to give it to people. It is a powerful subclass. It I is. know everybody's drawn to it because it kicks ass, but it, it is. Ugh, it does. Boring. It's, it's got synergy with other abilities in the Stop game. Stop playing hexblades. They get a super cool expanded spell list. Giving them I know. Unique paladin spells and they're good and at everything. Yeah, yeah. I, no, look, like they get enough love, and I'm fine with you putting them on lift, but no, we're not talking about them anymore. They get extra crits. Nobody here needs they to hear that. They get extra damage. They can regain hit points. So essentially wrapping up the, the fiend ability. Seriously. The champion all go, into one. Go on YouTube. As well Type word, word Hexblade. You can watch 7,000 hours of people going on about how great are my Hexblades. And using charisma. Hexblades are awesome. Just Google it and read it. Everybody's like, there's probably like a whole subreddit just on just charisma. how awesome my Hexblade you is. You also get medium armor, shields, and martial yeah. weapons. Oh, so good. That brings a tear to my eye about how good that is. And you can get the essentially the Eldritch Knight ability as well as summoning no, weapons yeah. if you take it with the Pack Look, Blade. When I first read when I first started reading through Warlock and I came so across good. it, I was like, oh, I'm done. This is like the character I want to make. I get it. I see why people do it. Even the idea that summoning that weapon in your hand. I mean, also Pack the Blade just is the first direction you could ever possibly want to It even mentions go. it. There's yeah, no, like, other there's no other way you want to go. Tells Hexblade, you about like, Pack hey, the Blade. pick this, please. Put it all together. Like, okay. Agonizing Blast. You're done. All good. Yeah. Carry on. Or even Thirsting Blade, Eldritch, or Smite. Oh, just so good. So good. But 
so overdone. Mm. It's it's one of the ones like these I, other ones haven't been done to death because they're so new. I I I would like to go to like a big game conference someday and just like do a quick poll of the room. Say, hey, ever play Hexblade? You ever play Hexblade? I must, I played Hexblade. I bet. I bet. It was like, my first character. I bet if you tr- you pulled a room, most people in the room, I bet you'd have a majority who are like, yeah, yeah, Hexblades are great. Mm, yeah, it's it like, is, it's But most people don't know about the super high level ability, because Armor of Hexes. Nobody ever plays that level. Which essentially guarantees that any target affected by your Hexblade curse has a 1 in 3 chance of automatically missing you. Or sorry, a 50% chance of automatically missing you. That's nice. Regardless of anything. Plus you've got a shield. Plus you've got like you know medium armor. Plus you've got the shield spell. Like this guarantees that the big when you're, evil plus twenty three is yeah. just not gonna. Hit when you're you. when you're fighting CR twenty three monsters, it's what you need. <sighs> it's crazy, crazy powerful. Try Hexblade. Everyone needs to play it once. It's a rite of passage, frankly. I guess. Yeah. One but shot. Then once you've got it out of your system, try something unique with the warlock. Check our first episode if you want to know what to do, uh, unique with a warlock. But finally. We reached the number one, the Coop de, Poop de, de Grass Tyson of them all. The the crew de tot, the piece de la resistance. Many people the... may have seen this coming and may have been shocked that I haven't mentioned it already. Uh, and I may have sort of given them some foreshadowing, but this is a druid subclass. And it is the Circle of the Moon Druid. Yeah, uh, uh, look... Uh, I'm not hugely surprised if you put this one in this spot. Uh, druids, people people don't get. Druids are likely the best tanks in the game. Mm-hmm. And Circle of Moon druids are even tankier. There is no other druid subclass which even competes with the Circle of the Moon. It is so above we've, every we've other got, subclass we've got in one, the game. I've got it one in my... Insane. In my... Uh, there's a homebrew, homebrew campaign I uh, play in, uh, played last night, and we actually went up against some really big baddies that we've been chasing for ages. And um, yeah, our Circle of Moon giant octopus, the only drawback is when the baddies start to run, moving your giant octopus when they're dashing just 20 feet per turn super sucks. How heavy are they? They're large. But you're right. I could pick, put it on the back of my furbolg and drag Who has double cannon capacity and uh, drag go, along this like it's like this thing all wrapped around him, sitting on top of his head. And he can barely see out. Um, but look, he had two wild forms, so he had just dropped it, ran in druid form, which is great because he got into the room and could do a bit more casting, and then boof, exactly. drop back into giant the fact octopus. That you not only get full casting, but also the ability to be a terrifying bear or eagle in any instance i mean you get that way sooner than any you get them sooner you get the flying sooner you get the swimming sooner i always thought the wild chip was a bonus action but it is an action for everyone else except Except the circle of moon yeah which is like making your action surge a bonus action which is crazy so so they get they get knocked out of their form right so they get brought down to zero hit points in it and each damage carries over into it their turn they can cast a spell like heal or or whatever. Um, bonus action turn. Back I, it was into, spike growth. Yeah. I think is what they cast, and then whoop, back up into octopus form. And if you're struggling, oh, what do I do with my bonus action while I'm in my beast? Which a lot of people do struggle with. Here, you're kind of low on hit points, and you don't want to run out of wild shape. Just use a bonus action to expend a spell slot to regain one d8 hit points per level of the spell slot. Which at higher level, if you're really willing to drop a big bomb, you drop 68. Although it's useless, just let it die so that you bonus action get it for free anyways. You have infinite uses. There's no reason to burn spell slots on this. You know, but still at lower levels you don't you have precious two uses of your wild shape. Free two D eight hit points back. Boom, just like that. Yeah. You know, and if you've got like a good healer nearby as well, that can be you can live as a bear for that whole hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's and actually your time as the animal extended isn't it in circle of the moon i maybe i'm not maybe i'm wrong Uh, Um, but i know that you can be a little bit but it's like half it's half your your wizard uh or half your druid class uh is it yeah half your half your um yeah so half your um level in hours uh rounded down Mm -hmm. so level six you can stay in form for three hours however 
giant octopus can only hold its breath, which is what it's doing when it's out of water, for one hour. Yeah, just so, get it, just so your, get a decanter. So your druid is on. essentially holding its breath when it's an octopus, which is good to know because possibly gaseous uh, attacks wouldn't work against but it. But if you're an air genasi, you can hold your breath indefinitely. And I believe, do you retain Indefinitely. Why do you even breathe then? You're like a, you're, you can be just a warforged. Don't breathe. Mm. Yeah. Wild shape. Can you still, I think you still like have your own. Yeah, you retain all your, um, I don't know actually, but I. That's Cir- a, a circle of moons circle of moons but. again if you want to if you want to shift if you want to become it gives you a higher cr rating yeah. sooner into the maximum of a c6 like cr6 which is as high as beasts go practically yeah like I you think can turn into a mammoth you, every like at 20th level you just miss infinite. you just the one that you miss is giant ape it's true it's true yeah that's uh sure. which kind but of sucks DM may allow you to a little further through but nice sixth level you get um, not only is this like ranking up constantly, but you also overcome magical resistance with your bear claw attacks, your animal, you know, attacks and beast form. You also, um, at tenth level, can turn into elementals, which is way sooner. Which than... is way sooner than yeah. any. They, this is the only person who can turn into elementals. Yeah. And at fourteenth level, this is perhaps a, a weaker curve down but you get a, a second level spell which you can cast at will which is alter self which is nice essentially this makes you a good infiltrator uh makes you aquatic if you're not already turning into you know so tips dolphins tips to dms whatnot. out there who want to kill the druid in the party uh the spell moonbeam yeah just just uh <laughs> yeah for circle of the moon you think they'd be resistant to that's oh no no yeah. they they're weak against that disadvantage is giving the dm an exact hint to what can destroy this player but no no it doesn't even uh moonbeam's moon, moon, moon great because they have disadvantage on the save against it and if they fail they get kicked out of their wild yeah. form this is the the circle to go if you want to go that shapeshifter route there's just nothing like it yeah it's and so, obviously at so at its highest levels arch druids are in, indestructible and you can cast they spells are, in your beast shape of it, it, it's, it's just such a if you are such running a, a if you are running a, a level a 20 um one shot like i did at halloween i would probably ask my players not to play druids if they could just help it because it i feel i feel it kind of breaks the game yeah uh it just it totally breaks the game but that is our six most powerful subclasses to round out and the four weakest so there's you and get the so we've we've gone through 10 we've gone through 10, subclasses. We've gone through 10 and the thing is the crazy thing is there's only 10 more right no wait. You wish. How many more? How many subclasses do you think there are in total now? Just uh, guesstimate. 10, 20, 30, 40, uh, let's say 50, 50 60, 70, 80, 90. Uh, I'd put it at maybe another 100. Right, was it so? about 100 subclasses to choose from out there right now? And if I'm to understand Tasha's, maybe Tasha's. maybe you can switch halfway in between not between any class you want though but not mix and match that much but could you i'm curious though like if i'm like i take a few uh a few levels in scout then could i f- switch into a few levels in assassin you you lose your scout abilities so i did it just switches completely yeah i can't like mix and match mm-hmm. i can't have like no. my like my my sixth level from this subclass and my 10th level from that mm-hmm. subclass no. that sucks that's if you could do that, you would break the game for real, for real. All right. Well, I'm glad to know that D&D's not broken. <laughs> we'll see, though. Like, I haven't read it. I mean, I'm only hearing I'm only hearing rumors on Twitter. And I learned long ago not, to believe, not to believe what I read on Twitter. Um, and actually, I learned long ago to stay off Twitter, frankly. Um, so but that concludes our deep dive. Number one... Tonight. Make a circle of the moon. If you, if you, also, if you're, if you are a new player and you're unsure which way to go, circle of the moon it will not disappoint you. You will yeah, have it is loads a little complex. of fun. You're gonna have to learn a little bit about what you can turn into and keep track of how many hit points you get and, and as you, well as your spells. And it's required that you buy a, a mini for each of the animals you can change into. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, but if you want to be courteous to your DM. It is encouraged. Buy, buy, and paint minis for every single animal you can turn into. Um, actually, right. D, I think D and D Beyond um, actually has a really easy function now. Go into extras. Yep. 
Just click on Wild Shape. It shows you all the things that you can turn into depending you, on what you level you're at. And add, you can add them. Add new stuff exactly. and take it out. And what, make modifications as you need to. The rules, especially with things rules is written it's, say it's that you're supposed nice. to be able to – you you need an experience where you've seen the creature before you can turn into it. That's and right. you can discuss your DM in advance, what kind of experience and backstory you might have had, so what you can and cannot see. Um, certain certain game mount settings might be better, like – in Eberron, there's a good chance you've seen dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, in other settings, maybe not so much. So. It's true. Uh, well, we've hit the hour mark. Holy cow! It's another long episode. Yeah. Thank you, folks, for sticking around. Uh, this is. Uh, Days before Tosh has called you everything. <laughs> I'm so excited. Exciting times. Uh, stay tuned. We will have more about Tosh's when it breaks, and uh, there will be plenty of episodes. On and it. we we start digging into it. So uh, More. Uh, until then, keep making those great characters, uh, and we'll see you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.